Good evening, everybody, and very excited to have you here today. We are continuing our series on the big questions about God, and if you guys were here last week, you'll remember that we didn't really, you know, we answered the question, who is God, but it wasn't really, you know, like a really tough question, like who is God, but we more, instead, we more answered that question so that we can fall back to the points that were made last week, and I'm going to kind of reference some of the things that we talked about last week as we tackle this week's question. And I believe that this week's question is probably a question that probably everybody in this room has at least asked at least once. And it's, it's, a, it's a popular question to ask even in pop culture. The question is, why did God create us? Or sometimes it's just, why were we created? Like, or like, what is our purpose? What is the meaning of life? And like, I, I'm into sci-fi. I, I, like, I like a lot of nerdy movies. And like, this is something that gets explored a lot. Like, like sometimes like a robot or like, like an android is made and like the first question they ask is like, what is my purpose? What's, what is the meaning of life, right? Like it's a natural thing for creatures, people who were created to ask this question. And one of the first times I noticed that even pop culture likes to tackle this question was when I was a kid. Um, when I was a kid, I had a curfew. Like I was like 10 years old. I would have to go to bed at like nine o'clock. But my, the, the, the one caveat to that, if I wanted to stay awake later, I would spend some time with my parents, right? And normally they're watching TV at nine o'clock and and Rachel can probably recall this too. Like one of the shows that they would watch before they'd go to bed would be Everybody Loves Raymond. Has anybody in this room ever seen anything from Everybody Loves Raymond? I've seen a lot of leaders, not a couple of students. It's it's an old show, it was really popular, but pretty much it's a show about this, this guy named Raymond and his, his mother lives right across the street, and he has a wife and a family, and it's just a lot of shenanigans and a lot of like old people bickering, adults bickering. That's kind of what the show, it's like every single show, the parents are fighting about something. But I want to show you a clip of uh, 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 an episode where um, they're like, so like there's, there's adults arguing, right? There's a family, and there's these little kids in the show, and the little kids are normally just kind of in the background, right? But in one episode, one of the, like, the oldest daughter of the show kind of takes center stage and asks Raymond, the dad, a question, right? And so this is what ensues. Allie? Hey. Hi, Daddy. Hi. What you doing? Just playing with my dolls. Oh, good. Good. Listen, um, the other day you, you asked questions about babies and stuff. When you started sneezing? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, anyway, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that now. Okay. Good, good. Okay. Let me try to explain a few things. Okay, here's what happens. When a man and a woman love each other very much, they get married. And then sometimes they decide to make a baby. Why are there babies? Right, right. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Okay. What a man and a woman do is... No, I mean, I know that the man and the woman have to do something, but... Why are we born? Why has God put us here? 
says, that's... what? <laughs> if we all go to heaven when we die, then why does God want us here first? <laughs> um... Why does God want us here? Yeah, why? So I remember hearing that, laughing at that as a kid, um, and it's really funny now because, you know, Raymond's preparing for, to have the birds and the bees conversation with his young kid, like really nervous about that, and then she kind of throws a curveball at him, and it's like, why were we created? And he's just totally doesn't know what to say or do. And that tends to be the answer that we get if we ask this question, right? We, we don't like, it, like sometimes in, in like the end of the sci-fi movie, they, they get to the end of the movie and they're supposed to find out the meaning of life and it's just like, you know, everything's meaningless or, you know, things get a little bit awkward. Well, today I, I want to be upfront with the answer, why were we created? Because, because of scripture, because of God's love for us, it's made pretty clear why God created us. And so I want, to, I want today to just, I'm not going to be like Raymond because he goes on to kind of give an answer and his answer is... Uh, there's too many people in heaven. There's too much congestion in heaven. So, so he, he brings us to earth as like a stopping place. And it's just like, no, that's not correct at all. I don't want to lead you astray. I'm not going to show you that part of the, of the clip. Instead, I'm going to show you what scripture tells us. Okay, so I'm going to give you the answer. And then we're going to break down. It's, the answer is kind of divided into three parts. We're going to talk about the three parts. And then we're going to talk about why, this, why we should care and, and why this should affect our lives. Okay, so the answer to why did God create us is this should be up on the screen too. God created us so that we would glorify him by reflecting his image and participating in his plan to redeem the world. So there it is, right? God created us for three reasons, right? So that we would glorify him, so that we would reflect his image, and so that we would participate in his plan. So let's go to the first part, which this is the, this is the main answer. Um, if, 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 you, if you really want to get technical, this is the main reason we were created, is to bring glory to God. Now, right off the bat, probably thinking, okay, this man created us just so that he, so that he could get praise from us. That seems a little bit whack and weird, and this guy probably has like some weird arrogance to him, right? Like, uh, that, that makes sense when we consider like, if I were to tell you the reason I have you here at Chig is so that you can praise me, right? So you can just talk about how great and funny and how smart I am of a teacher and how, how good I am at math and good I, good I am at, at words and stuff, right? Like, no, that's not why I have you here, and that, that'd be really arrogant of me. And oftentimes, pop culture kind of makes fun of this, right? Like, we got characters from, like, Harry Potter um, in the Chamber of Secrets. There's the, there's the wizard Gilderoy Lockhart. If you guys, if, if, we, if we know Harry Potter, right, he's this really like a celebrity wizard, and then the students get to know him, and they realize he's a fraud, and he's just kind of dependent on all this glory, and he needs it, and he's like this desperate person. Or you can go to High School Musical and Sharpay, Sharpay Evans, right? This really, like, you know, beautiful character on the outside, but really ugly on the inside, right? Just wants all the glory, very ambitious, but just wants to, like, turns everything into her, right? And very arrogant. Or Mean Girls, right? Regina George, another example of just scary person that wants the praise and wants all of the worship, right? We tend to look at people that want that praise and worship and think, 
man, those people are just as broken as I am. And the reality is we are all fallen and we are all broken and we aren't worthy of praise. But God is. God is worthy of all of that praise. And to reference last week's talk, right, remember, this is the God who big all caps creator, right? He is the creator of the world, but he's also our creator, right? He is Italic's creator, the one who intimately created us and breathed breath or breathed life into us, right? He is our creator. He is worthy of, of our worship. And all of his interactions, everything that he does is driven by this loyal love for us. He is worthy of our worship. And so that's why he created us, so that we can bring glory to him. And here's the other aspect of this. We as humans, we like to praise things. We, whether we're praising God or praising something else, that's, that's what we kind of do. That's what we're in the business of doing. In the Old Testament, when, when people would take their eyes off of God, they'd, they'd start carving idols and, and they would bow down to that or bow down to high places or bow down to fertility gods. And today, we, we, may, we may not carve idols and, and, and bow down to something, but we certainly give our praise to people, right? That we, we give our time. If, if you're wondering what, what's something that I could perhaps be praising, look at your Instagram account and look at where you're, where you're sending your likes, right? And, and, and look at your bank account and where you're spending your money. Those are good ways to kind of tell what are things that maybe I am worshiping and what are some things that I am praising. We as humans look to give praise to things, and God knows this and knows that it is in our best interest to give praise to God. And so actually Psalm 115 kind of talks about this. It says this, verses four through eight, but their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them and so will all who trust in them. So this psalmist is talking about how, how people create these idols that, that ultimately can't give life, even though they, they, have this, they, they have feet, but they can't walk, right? They have eyes, but they can't see. What, what, this, what this author is getting at is the things that we tend to praise on this world can't give us life like God can. And in turn, when we praise those things, we turn into the things that we praise and worship. And so God wants us to be like him. Which brings me to our next point. Uh, the next hope that God had in creating us is so that we can reflect his image. So Genesis 1.27 tells us this. So remember, we talked about Genesis 1 last week, and now we're in it again. And a big reason why is because the book of Genesis is, is telling us who this God is. And so if we're going to answer these tough questions, we need to know where to go to find out more about God and, and find out his motivations behind doing the things that he did. And so, in verses 27 to 28 of Genesis 1, it says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God created us in, in his image. It, it, talks about this over and over again. It kind of is saying this, and there's so many implications to, to what being made in God's image means, right? Ultimately, we have this value unlike anything else in this world, right? God created 
a ton of other things in the six days of creation, right? But then he, then he looks at us, he creates us in his own image, right? So that means the skies aren't made in God's image, animals aren't made in God's image, the vegetation isn't made in God's image, the sun and the moon, none of that is made in God's image, only we are, which gives us this priceless value. Each and every one of you, each and every one of us, was made with the image of God, which means that we have value. And it means that we need to treat each other as if we have this priceless value set on us by God. It also tells us, because we're made in the image of God, we belong to God. We came from God. And so in turn, we should look up to him and give him our praise. When I think about being the image of God, I think about a mirror. God created us so that we, we are like little mirrors. And our goal, our hope, is to reflect what our heart desires, Right? So our hope, then, in turn, is to reflect God. God is hoping that we can reflect his image throughout the world. If we evaluate the first couple words that God says to his creation, right? He creates us, and then he looks at man, right? And he says this, be fruitful and multiply, right? Like this idea of, or in other words, live righteously and spread my name throughout the world, right? Because you're an image bearer. And so God wants his people to spread the image of God throughout the world. And so we have a responsibility in our actions to reflect God's glory and image throughout the rest of the world. Jesus goes on to talk about this too, right? He, he, he mentions that he is the light, the light of the world. And John talks about how this world is full of darkness. The only source of light comes from God. God, Jesus is that light, and when we become Christ followers, right, we talked about this last week, when we believe what Jesus did for us on the cross, when we believe those things, we receive the Holy Spirit, right? So we have that ability to, to refract this light throughout the world. The light that doesn't come from us, it comes from God. And in the same way, when we're image bearers, we're, we're called to reflect God's glory and God's image throughout the world. So if you, if you have a hard time understanding what does this mean? What does the image of God even look like? The best place that I can point you to is the Gospels. We talked about this last week. Jesus is that perfect image of what God is. Right? So when we look at the Gospels, when we study the Gospels, four books in the New Testament, it's all about how Jesus behaved and, and how he served us and taught us and how he performed these awesome miracles. But it also talks about how he goes through a cross and dies for us. He knows that we're doomed to our own sin, and the only thing that can save us is his sacrifice. He laid himself over so that he would die for us and we could be known by the Father. So Jesus is that perfect idea of what the image of God looks like. And so we are called to reflect that image, so we should get to know Jesus. We should get to know what the Gospels talk about it, how the Gospels talk about him. We should, we should talk to other believers and talk about what Jesus is doing in each, each of our lives, but my prayer for us is that we can know our maker, we can know who Jesus is. So, right, so we got to bring glory to God. We do that by reflecting his image. But then we also do this by participating in his plan that he has for the world, right? From start to finish, God has a plan. And that's what the Bible's all about, right? It, we, we've talked a lot about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. The next chapter, Genesis 3, we get the problem. The problem is sin, and we'll talk more about that this fall. But the rest of the story of the Bible, including today, is all about God's plan of redeeming the world against this sin that has cursed the world. 
right? And so we have the opportunity as image bearers, as Christ followers, to be a part of God's plan to save the world. But what I, what I want to make clear right, right off the bat, like God isn't like chained up in heaven hoping and praying that we act and move because if we don't do it, nobody's going to do it. No, God has proven that he is going to be the victor, right? Like Jesus died and rose again. He's proven that he has power over this death, right? And he's promised that he's going to, he's going to put an end to death. He's going to put an end to sin when he returns again. But we have the opportunity, we have the privilege to be a part of this plan, to play on this winning team. I've been really depressed today because uh, the Bears suck. <laughs> um, they, they lost again, they're, they're terrible, they make me upset, you know, all, the, all those things. Um, but days like today, I like to think about when the Bears were good. And it was obviously 10 years before I was even born. In 1985, the Bears were incredible, known as one of the greatest teams of all time, Okay. You can, like, they literally were so good that year, they knew they were going to win the Super Bowl, they came out with a music video, like, this talking about, like, the, uh, what, what's that song called? The Super Bowl Shuffle, right? Like, they're, they're talking about how they're going to win the Super Bowl, and all these great names are talking about how they're going to win it, right? Well, if you go home and talk to your parents about that team, and ask them about these two guys, Al Harris and Todd Bell, ask them about them, because those are two guys that were not a part of the 85 Bears, but they had a chance to play on that team. Instead, though, they, they chose to sit out because they couldn't agree on how much money they were going to get. But these guys were two all-pro defenders, right? So that means they were two of the best players in their defensive position. So they were already playing on the stack defense. They had the opportunity to continue playing, but they chose to sit out on a team that knew they were going to win the Super Bowl. And so they missed out on being a part of the most legendary football team of all time, right? Like, a lot of these guys are going to live on as legends because they played on this team. But, but Al Harris and Todd Bell decided not, for whatever reason, to not play. My, the reason I'm talking about that is because we, too, have an opportunity to play for a winning team. We have an opportunity to participate in God's plan to redeem the world. And let me tell you, in my 28 years of life, the best moments have come from me submitting to God's plan for the world. The reason I'm up on the stage, the reason I have a job today is because I submitted to God's plan for me to be a part of student ministries, right, and to, to share the gospel with as many students as I can. I'm up here because I'm following God's plan for my life. And let me tell you, the worst times in my life have come when I decide to sit out and not play for a winning team, right? When, when God has brought up somebody that gave me an opportunity to, to witness or, or to serve, right? And I decided not to do that. Gave me an opportunity to serve my wife, to love my wife, and I decided not to do that. Gave me an opportunity to serve one of you guys, love one of you guys, and I decided not to do it. And the, the, the feeling that comes after that is one of regret. And here's, here's the truth. In high school, you're going to make a lot of you're going to make a lot of decisions. You're going to have a lot of regrets. That's that's something that happens that comes with youth. And as you grow older, you, you think back and you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that thing. But when we choose to get on God's team, when we choose to be a part of God's plan, participate in His plan, it gives us a life where we will not have regrets. That's my hope for us: that we can go through high school and limit the amount of regrets that we have because we're choosing to submit our lives to God's plan for us. And I, I, like the Bible is abundantly clear about that. If we choose to, to play on his team, to play on the winning team, we will not have regrets. We will live an abundant life. Now, I need to make a caveat because 
Oftentimes what happens is we, we play on the team and a storm comes, hardships come, and you think, well, I, I'm, I'm on the winning team. Why, <laughs> why, is, the other, why is the other team scoring, right? Like there, there's going to come times where your life gets hard, adversities come, the storm waves rise, right? Like those things happen. It, we're, we're not free of, of consequences of sin. We're not free of, of, of hard times coming our way. Actually, scripture makes it clear that hard times are going to come our way. But we, we get to hit those waves knowing that we have the answer to the problem on our team. And that should give us confidence. So we have the opportunity to participate in God's plan to save the world. Really cool stuff. So why does this all matter? Why are, why are we even talking about this? Why does the, the question, why did God create us, how should that impact our life today? And what I want us to understand is if, if we aren't choosing to bring glory to God, we are glorifying other things. And that, what, what, that verse, what those verses told us in the book of Psalms, when we are choosing to give, to give glory to other things, we become like those things. Those things don't give us life. Those things give us regrets. Those things give us hardship, death, toil, maybe, maybe a couple moments of satisfaction, but that's about it. When we choose to follow God, though, we live a fulfilled life. We play for the winning team. It makes me think of this guy named John Piper. He has this quote. Riley was telling me about this. Riley's a huge Bible nerd. He knows all, all the people. He's, he's really great. But Riley was telling me about this quote by, by John Piper where he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So when we are looking to God for that abundant life, when we are coming to God knowing that he can give us life, rejecting all of those other things that the world has to offer, that is when we are glorifying God the most. That is when we are doing the thing that we were created to do. God loved us, right? God created us, and he wants us to worship him, not only because he's worthy of it, but because he knows that is the way we will live the most satisfied life. That is the way we will live the most fulfilled, abundant life. And my prayer for, for everyone in this room is that we can understand our purpose and know that we, are, we were created to worship God. I'm going to close this in prayer.